everybody. Welcome back to another All the WrestleManias podcast. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. And we've got a special episode for you today. We're going to do a bit of a deep dive, a, a one tag team profile episode. Something we haven't done before, but we're really looking forward to trying it out. So make sure you send us your thoughts at allthewrestlemanias.com, on Twitter, at WrestleManiaPod, by email, at uh what is our email address oh yeah all the wrestlemanias at gmail.com it's easy enough to remember and let us know what you think and let us know if you'd like to try this again so the tag team in question here is the one and only demolition here comes the x and here comes the smasher the demolition <laughs> walking oh, disaster, walk disaster. <laughs> we really really yeah. love demolition's theme song oh god uh, it's the best it's the best one <laughs> It's so great. Um, and the impetus for this episode, um, if you listen to our most recent episode, it was sort of a grab bag. We talked about going to a celeb fest outside of Baltimore and meeting a bunch of our favorite wrestlers, uh, including, you know, quite surprisingly and, and quite wondrously, I would say, um, good old Axe and Smash from Demolition. And we had a nice chat with them. Uh, Rich plugged the podcast. <laughs> we hope they gave it a listen. I have no idea if they will. I just I like to imagine that they listen to it together in their truck. Yeah, I mean, we were toying around with doing this anyway. Like, it's kind of like all these stars aligned with this. So, like, we had already been talking a lot about Demolition a bit off air and, like, just how much we enjoy them. And then we go to this thing. And I really wasn't even planning on talking to Demolition, but I had time and some cash in my wallet to kill. And so I went over to them and they ended up being like the coolest dudes ever just to sit down and chat with for a while. Cause uh, I guess there's too many other big names there that was drawn away folks and people there uh, were a bit either too young or too old to remember demolition. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're drawn to them. Cause like demolition was the tag team of our sweet yeah. spot of watching age here uh right when we were at the sweet age of of thinking it's all real and stuff like that so like it also came across because my brother-in-law who i mentioned in our previous episode had messaged me about this and it was because i had sent them my picture with axe and smash uh as kind of like a cheer up kind of thing distraction because his daughter was in the hospital and she's hope from the hospital she's feeling great uh oh, but uh brett was uh a bit stressed out so i sent him the picture of me with demolition one night just to just to loosen things up a little bit for him and he was like you know i've been wanting you guys to talk about demolition i thought they would be a really great show for you guys and i think he's right <laughs> yeah it's a. Uh... It was a lot of fun, actually, to dig into this a little bit. So Demolition, well, not to spoil it or anything, debuted in 1987. So I was 10 years old and about as into wrestling as I could possibly be uh, before or since, I think. Um, you know, I I sort of I knew that it wasn't 100 percent you know, real, quote unquote, but I also was impressionable enough to really be like you know, drawn in by it and demolition in particular. I told the guys when we met them, I'm like, you guys scared the ever loving crap out of me when I was a kid. Cause they would come out to the ring and those hockey masks covered in leather with the spikes and the music and the makeup and the tongues. And it was, um, it was borderline horrifying for 10 year old Tim, but also kind of exciting, kind of thrilling, right? Cause you knew when they got down to the ring, somebody was about to get their ass whooped. Um, and you could root for your favorite guys to, you know, make a comeback 
but ultimately you knew it was futile. You know, they weren't, they weren't going to come back over two guys like Axe and Smash. So that, that's kind of a little bit of the background of the, uh, fandom, I think is not too strong a word. Um, yeah. They were kind of counterculture too, you know, like they were, they were the guys also that didn't really care about whether they won or lost just as long as they hurt the other guys. Yeah. Disqualify <laughs> yeah. us, whatever. I beat the crap out we of that care. guy and it, I'm happy about it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And their leather, like you said, and the, and the metal song entry coming down, like nobody had that sound. Nobody else had that look. And it was just really exciting. Yeah. How do you go back to, you know, Hulk Hogan and real American bullshit after you see demolition? I don't, I think it's like, um, it's a little bit like, you know, sort of your musical or your pop culture taste, right? It's like, like once you get exposed to something with a little bit of edge, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm, I think I'm done with aha. Um, it's time for Judas priest. So anyway, yeah, we'll, you, we'll talk. You can't, you can't dial it back. You can't go back. You can't go back. We'll talk music uh, a little bit later on in this episode, but we thought we thought we would start by sort of profiling uh, the two men who made up Demolition, Axe and Smash, Bill Axe Edie and Barry Smash Darso. And Rich did his research on on Mr. Edie, and I did mine on Mr. Darso. So we're going to start with uh, Axe, and uh, Rich is going to catch us up to the point where these guys get together at Demolition, and then I'll we'll go back and talk a little bit about Mr. Smash. So hit it. Yeah. So uh, Axe was the original member of Demolition. He was there the entire, uh, not, I'm not going to say the entire time, but he was a founding member. Uh, his real name, as uh, Tim said, was uh, Bill Eady. Uh, he is not my grandfather, despite a very striking resemblance. If you put the photos of them together at the same time period, they got the same haircut, same facial shape, same hairline it's it's kind of frightening how similar they looked yeah rich uh, it, you showed me the pictures and I, I can confirm i was seven at the time so it would have been very easily for me to believe that my grandfather when he wasn't <laughs> dashing off to the airport to work for pan am was also wrestling in demolition but he was not uh, so bill uh, Mr. Edie is from Ohio, and uh, before he was in Demolition, he wrestled under several uh, names, including uh, Bolo Mongol, uh, the Paramedic. That's a terrifying gimmick, the Paramedic. The paramedic. Uh, no way. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was actually a tag team, the Paramedics he was in. The world's um, worst EMTs. Yeah. I, I had this like vision of like someone taking a pile driver and you're like, good God, they got to call an ambulance or whatever. And then the two guys come down and they just look like paramedics. And then they continue to beat the crap out of the hurt guy. That was just kind of the thing that was dancing around in my head. I don't know if that's how it actually worked, but uh, he also wrestled under the name Axis, the demolisher, uh, Billy Crusher, super machine, and probably his most notable name besides Axe was uh, the masked superstar. Oh, I remember the mass superstar. I didn't. I didn't realize that was him. He was the mass superstar before he was Axe. Um, so he had notable feuds, especially as the mass uh, superstar uh, with uh, Stan Hansen, who we just saw uh, use his vision as a reason for uh, working stiff. Uh, Dick Murdoch, uh, Wahoo McDaniel, and his little uh, war dance, and Blackjack Mulligan. He had a series of famous one-hour cage matches with Blackjack Mulligan and apparently several 90-minute cage matches with Blackjack Mulligan. Jesus. Um, sounds sounds exhausting, and as a fan and as a wrestler, I can't imagine 
that kind of that kind of pain. Uh, Axe, uh, Bill Eady was also extremely close friends with Andre the Giant. Uh, so Andre was the goddaughter to his two daughters, and also Bill was one of the first wrestlers to ever body slam Andre in the ring, which means Andre let him do it. Basically, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So when he was uh one of the he was one of the machines then with uh, along with yes. Andre, right? Okay, yes, he was one of those guys uh, feuding against um, Bobby Heenan's giant crew. His first WWF run, which was during that, was in 1983, 1984, and he had matches against Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan, Jimmy Snuka, Sergeant Slaughter, all fairly notable. Uh, and then he went back to the independents and uh, the territories and did some more work. And then he came back to the WWF in 1987. And that's when he uh, formed Demolition uh, with Randy Colley, a.k.a. Moondog Rex. But the problem was the fans still recognized Randy as Moondog Rex, despite dressing him up like Smash. So they had to get somebody else. And that's where we meet Mr. Darso. Um, Barry Darso. He was born in Minneapolis in 1959. He actually attended high school with uh, just an all-star class. Kurt Hennig, uh, Rick Rude, Tom Zank, John Nord, who became the Berserker, uh, and Scott Simpson, a.k.a. Nikita Koloff, all went to the same high school that he did. He ended up training with Eddie Sharkey, known as the trainer of champions in Minneapolis. So Sharkey was an AWA talent who had retired. He won one of the uh, NWA, I think it was the U.S. Heavyweight Championship in um, Central States Wrestling. And then he went to work as a bouncer for this place called Grandma B's, which was this rock and country bar in Minneapolis that was also sort of a biker bar. Apparently, the Hells Angels had their clubhouse like right down the street from grandma bees. So they kind of like gravitated towards this place and be kind of came known as a bit of a, of a rough place. So, um, Darso was working there at the time with Sharky. And again, some of the other bouncers on, the, on the payroll there were Rick rude, uh, the guys who would become road warriors, Hawk and animal, John Nord, berserker, Scott Simpson, Nikita Koloff, uh, and, uh, Sharky's like, I'm going to take you guys and train you to be wrestlers and I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion in school. And he did, he called it pro wrestling America started in 1982. Uh, and those guys were some of his very first students. So, I mean, what a, what an outstanding class. If you're going to start yourself a wrestling school. Uh, yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's like Afa's wrestling school that trained everybody. Yeah, I don't know. This guy trained everybody else. It sounds like, I don't know how you make that happen, but that's incredible. Um, Sharky, by the way, is 86 and still kicking, so he's still out there. Um, I don't know if he's still breaking arms and stuff, but he's around. So Darso finished up at wrestling school at age 21, and he ended up going to Hawaii to wrestle for Leah Maivia, who's the wife of Samoan wrestling legend Peter Maivia, of course, and also the grandmother of The Rock. And if you like The Young Rock, the TV show like we do, you know, uh, Leah Maivia has a major role in there. So Darso did a stint there, and then he went to New Zealand, and he went back to Hawaii. His first big thing on the mainland was with Georgia Championship Wrestling, and then on to Mid-South, where he was Crusher Darso, and then that was Crusher with a C, and then he became Crusher Khrushchev, uh, so one of you know one of the NWA Mid-South uh, Russian heels kicking around. So he was teamed up with Nikolai Volkov. Um, he also teamed with Jim Neidhart in Florida Championship Wrestling and was a two-time tag champion there. 
his first really big career move, I think, came with Jim Crockett Promotions in 84. So with Ivan and Nikita Koloff, he won the NWA World Six-Man Tag Team Championship. And those guys used the Freebird rule to compete in the tag team division against the Rock and Roll Express and the Road Warriors. And then he also did a lot of competing solo as Crusher Khrushchev. It's kind of hard to say. He won the uh, NWA Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship from Sam Houston at Starcade 85. And then a couple months after that, he had a really bad knee injury and had to take almost uh, half a year off to take care of that. I read a really nice interview with him from Slam Wrestling back in 2001, and he says that Crusher Khrushchev was definitely his favorite of his many gimmicks over the years. So he was quoted as saying, With Ivan Koloff is where I learned the most about wrestling. We wrestled hour-long matches a couple of times a day for two or three months with the Rock and Roll Express and other tag teams. So that's when it was the real deal. People believed it. You worked hard. You told a story in the ring. So that's kind of where he's got his uh, you know, his 10,000 hours of uh, of work in. He had uh, one more big push in Jim Crockett promotion. So he and uh, Ivan Koloff won a tournament with a final match against Dutch Mantel and Bobby Jaggers uh, to become the first NWA U.S. Tag Team Champions. And they feuded against their former partner, Nikita Koloff, who was then teamed with Dusty Rhodes. And finally, they lost the titles to Ron Garvin and Barry Windham. So he came to WWF in 1987 specifically to take the place of Randy Colley, a.k.a. Moondog Rex, uh, to be Smash in Demolition. And as as Rich mentioned, <laughs> Randy Colley is, uh, I guess we call Randy Colley the Pete Best of Demolition, I guess, right? Like he was, he was there at the start, <laughs> he did, but he didn't make the cut. I feel bad. But, you know, shit happens, right? It's tough business. So, and then, then, of course, as I mentioned at the top, the guys made their debut in January 1987 and were a huge force until September of 1991 with some lineup changes that we'll talk a little bit about. And Darso was a member during their um, entire run. At first, they were managed by luscious Johnny Valiant, but then they kind of quickly switched over to Mr. Fuji. And their early feuds were with Ken Patera, Billy Jack Haynes, and Strike Force, which was Tito Santana, Rick Martel. You mentioned some of the titles that uh, Mr. Darso won, and we shouldn't sneeze at the titles that uh, Mr. Edie won as well. So he was the Georgia heavyweight champion. So in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Uh, he was a three-time national tag champion with Georgia Championship Wrestling, once with King Kong Bundy, once with Super Destroyer, who was Scott Irwin, who we recently saw in WrestleRock 86 as a member of the Long Riders, and he was also a tag champion with Big John Studd. So that's kind of impressive wow. that he's able to win the championship three times with three different uh, partners. And then he was also the NWA television champion, he is a two-time NWA World Tag Champion Mid-Atlantic version with uh, Paul Jones. And that's actually the belt that became the WCW World Tag Championship. And then, as, we, as we'll probably mention later, is that as a member of Demolition, he is a three-time WWF World Tag Champion as well. Very cool. So um, you did some just a little bit of research about kind of the idea behind Demolition and why and why it was formed and sort of, you know, pushed out there at this particular time. And I know you had some ideas about that. Yeah. So this is speculation, but it, it can't be coincidence in my opinion. Uh, so demolition formed in 87 and right around that time is the great satanic panic of the 1980s in the United States. This is the time period that uh, Geraldo Rivera puts out a documentary 
about satanic worship and portrayed metal fans as uh, blood drinking criminals clad in leather. We have Ricky Casso, who is a self-admitted Satanist and murderer. He was arrested wearing an ACDC shirt and you had a Judas Priest and Black Sabbath shirts showing up in his trials and stuff like that, which really tied together the public's connection between violence and metal music and uh, Satanism. And so now you have these wrestlers showing up out of nowhere, where in the WWF, everyone's clean cut and like bright colors and stuff. And now you have these two burly bastards coming down to the <laughs> ring, clad in leather face makeup like kiss and tongue hanging out like kiss and they got uh metal music for their entrance and you know at this point in time metal music is still fringe there was no grammy category for metal until 1990 um and so you have metallica that's putting out albums that, that are trying to get metal into the mainstream um and then you look at their theme song which we've already mentioned once and their theme song is heavy it's dark it's metal it's it's got violence in in its lyrics and then it has the word uh it ends with better say your act of contrition which has a lot of religious undertones to it with the use of the word contrition which is repentance and the act of confession and admitting your sins um, so you're supposed to admit your sins to demolition before they kill you, basically, <laughs> is is what they're is what they're hinting That's at hardcore. here. And so a lot of these. Right. And a lot of these themes are happening in metal music on the fringe and then the style, too. I don't know if J.J. McGuire and Jimmy Hart and Brick Derringer are sitting there listening to Slayer and Danzig and Pantera at the time. Um, but they've definitely there's connections in the music style to like mandatory suicide by Slayer or Mother by Danzig and uh, Pantera's Rock the World. There's a strong connection between Anarchy in the UK by Megadeth and to like the style of the lyrics being delivered. And uh, also the the guitar riffs are very bluesy, though. So it's still like kind of got like hints of ACDC happening in there as well. And if you listen to uh, Fight in the World by Man of War, the guitar, the, the rhythm guitar lick is almost identical. And so you have this metal song. You have Satanism occupying the minds of America right now. Like every day on the front pages of newspapers is like satanic rituals. You have the West Memphis Three happening where these kids were, it was claimed that these kids murdered uh, some small child in like a satanic sacrifice in the woods and stuff like that. These are all the news stories that are like occupying America right now. And now you have a tag team in professional wrestling that's coming down and, and, and impersonating and embodying this fringe culture and you got one scary badass team. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. I mean, the other influences, I think, um, a little bit of, you know, sort of Mad Max Road Warrior, you know, with the spikes and the the hockey masks, especially. Um, you know, I think that's that one's fairly obvious. And, and then the other one that gets thrown around on is that this was the WWF's attempt to sort of cash in or rip off the Road Warriors. Um 
And now the guys, uh, the, that interview I read with Barry Darso, he said that he never really saw that himself um, because they did have, they had, yes, they had face paint um, and they had spikes, but they were also pretty different, you know? And uh, I think if there's any, the biggest similarity I would say is just sort of the, the brutality of their approach in the ring. Um, and that's not necessarily a, uh, patentable thing, you know, <laughs> like big muscle guys beating right. the hell out of each other. If working stiff, yeah. <laughs> you know, like working stiff is, is, is trademarked only by the road warriors. They're the only ones that can do yeah. it, you know? So, um, but, the, um, to watch some demolition matches, we thought we'd focus on, uh, this Coliseum home video that came out in 1989. It's WWF catalog number WF 71. If you're into that sort of thing, um, it's just called demolition. It's got the guys on the cover. They are in between each of the matches, just sort of cutting promos, talking about, you know, how they're going to destroy this person or that person, how they're, they're fighting champions, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and it's actually, a, it's a really good overview. There's seven matches, including two WrestleMania matches, uh, including the first match here where they actually win the, the belts. And it's a really good sort of encapsulation of their style and their appeal, I think. Um, and some of the really cool work they did in the ring, but one of the perks fringe benefits, I don't know what you want to call it, is that they don't cut off the entrance music. So every time there's a match, you get to see the entrance and you get to hear the music. And they do the whole thing, and it's it's fantastic. So this is, um, you know, as Rich mentioned, this is another Jimmy Hart, J.J. McGuire uh, composition. You know, those two guys wrote a hundred and something wrestling themes, including What a Rush for Legion of Doom. They wrote Sexy Boy for Shawn Michaels, All About the Money for Ted DiBiase, Hitman for Bret Hart, even Do the Bird for Coco Beware. Um, so that's, that's some pretty serious range as a, uh, you know, as a composer and as an artist to be able to go from do the bird to demolition. Yeah. That's badass. I believe this is actually their first theme song that they wrote. Isn't it's it? It's an early one for sure. So this one and two others were their, what I want to say submissions or contributions to the pile driver two album. And the switch came when Vince realized just how expensive it was to uh, licensed songs like Another One Bites the Dust, which they had been using for Junkyard Dog. Um, and they had a couple of others, you know, where they used like actual commercial songs. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's really fucking expensive. Let's get our guys to write some stuff yeah. that we can own. Because when you want to be a nationwide audience, you can't be blasting that crap without paying royalties out the nose. You know? Yeah. And that's the that's actually one of the driving reasons why I wrote our own theme song instead of trying to trying to scam off something else was just because in case someone listens to it, just the right person listens. Like, especially if we're going to be on iTunes, <laughs> we're, we're going to get pinged. <laughs> if, if we're like coming, coming into like jump by Van Halen or something yeah. like that. So write your own music when you can. Well, and of course, uh, you know, YouTube, if we, uh, YouTube like flags that stuff immediately, if it, if it recognizes anything remotely, um, 
you know, pre-existing in your, uh, in your music. So, um, anyway, Rick Derringer is also on here. He's a, we're, we're not entirely sure. He definitely produced these songs. He may have played guitar on them. Um, we're not actually not hundred percent sure about that one. So if you know, let me know. Uh, I found a really nice interview with, um, JJ McGuire who actually just died March 11th, 2022 from, let's see, it's from pro wrestling stories.com. Um, it's an interview he did with them and, uh, it, it's really long, but he does a really deep dive into some of the, you know, his just, I don't know, just amazing history. Honestly, he, he says that Jimmy Hart is an absolute musical genius, uh, which I, I kind of believe. There's no doubt about it. Once you start listening to their theme songs and the stuff that they put out there and knowing all of that stuff just came out of like one or two guys. That's incredible. You would think that there you got a whole team of people back there just churning out music, and like there, there's also something to be said about how like modern day wrestlers and wrestling they just pay the royalties to to use like known songs instead of like having a staffer write songs, and it's because Jimmy Hart and JJ McGuire were just so damn good at their jobs. You can't you can't replace that. Uh, yeah, and you don't have those guys. You're, there's not there's not like a hundred of those guys floating around, you know? All right. So we've talked about the theme song. We've talked about Mr. Edie, Mr. Darso, how they got to the WWF in 87. They are formed demolition. They've got the hoods on and the spikes and the makeup and they're ready to go. So let's get into this VHS from Coliseum home video and talk a little bit about their work in the ring. So the first match on the tape here is demolition versus strike force. So that's again, Tito Santana and Rick Martel from WrestleMania four March, 1988. So we actually watched this one for the blog way back when, and I did remember this one and we get the, the demolition theme song to start. Jesse can't tell the difference between the two guys and gorilla has some thoughts about whether the studs on their outfits are legal. Um, so we have some conversation about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I thought that this looks like two cool guys on spring break just wandered into the wrong nightclub. <laughs> Got to get your ass whooped. So Smash goes to work hammering on Martel right away, and that's good because oh, Rick yeah. Martel deserves it. It's so violent. He comes just like angry and charges at him and pounds him down to the mat. And one of their signature moves that we'll see again and again is that two-handed like hammer pound with a stomp at the same time. It just, it looks really cool. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Like their, their, their tags even sound (laughs) stiff in this match. I don't know if you noticed that. Like they're like hitting each other to tag in and out of the ring. It's, it's great. Yeah. like there's no technicalities here it's like they're pounding and punching and clotheslining until like the strike force just gives up they can't like this there's this straight sheer brutality happening while racism is happening in the commentary (laughs) and it is classic 80s wwf all the way yeah, it's great. And they show off some muscle moves. You know, Martel tries a crossbody and just gets caught in midair. Um, yeah. And then they get, they strike force manages to get a little bit of offense on him. But it's, again, you can tell it's, it's not going anywhere. No. I really like the move where Smash like picks up Tito in a bear hug and then just walks him over to the corner so Axe can give him this stiff ass clothesline, and knock him off. Yeah. that was amazing <laughs> uh just like picks him up carries him like a child and then lets him get smashed by. that was great <laughs> and 
Yeah, and that's that's where uh, Jesse Ventura says, "I bet Chico wishes he was back in Tijuana selling tacos." Yeah. And Gorilla Monsoon just says, "He isn't from Tijuana." <laughs> you racist asshole. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like they have a good hot tag to Rick Martel, but it it's not enough. And then this ending is chaos of of this match too. So like Mr. Fuji ends up taking a, a nasty little bump and tossing his cane over over the top of every of all the action to was it Smash that catches it? And then uh, no, uh, Axe, Smash lays it Axe in. catches it because Smashes Smashes tied up in a Boston crab and he's down there. He's tapping actually, but the ref is distracted because Tito is yeah. is punching Mr. Fuji on the apron. Right. And like, and then uh, Rick Martell takes a takes a cane shot to the back of his head. There's a ref bump. The ref comes to, and one, two, three. We have the winners, demolition, and we get to hear the fucking sweet ass theme song again. <laughs> Hell yeah! Jesse at one point says they don't use a lot of classic wrestling moves, but they win. They don't use any classic <laughs> wrestling moves. They punch, they stomp, they kick, and they close line. That's pretty much that it. That is what they do. That is that is Demolition's brand, and this tape is ninety minutes of that. They don't even. And it's so. They great. don't even do their uh, finisher here. You know where he holds. I think it was just called no. the Demolition, right? Where he holds the guy on his knee and like in a yeah. backbreaker, and the other guy comes off the turnbuckle. They don't even get to that. They just yeah. pound and stomp. I, th- I, I think we actually only see that move in one of these matches the entire time. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we only see it once. So I'd be curious uh, when they actually work that into their rotation. That would be a good question when they come on our show eventually. <laughs> I'd imagine it's got to be around a little later just because eventually, like all the tag teams have the finishers. Like the Heart Foundation has the Heart Attack. The Steiner Brothers have the Frankensteiner and stuff like that. Like all the tag teams eventually start developing like these combo finishers. So, yeah. It's probably around then. And that's a good time to mention that in 1987, the tag team division of WWF was absolutely fucking stacked. Like it was, it was probably the best time, you know, I mean, definitely in my lifetime for, uh, for tag teams, you know, you had the British Bulldogs, you had the heart foundation, you had the killer bees, you had the, eh, you had the powers of pain. They were all right. But, um, just, Oh, it's just so many good ones. Was was Macho Man and Hogan tag team too? The Mega Powers uh, of that, that point? That would have been what? WrestleMania 4, right? Or is that WrestleMania 5? No, WrestleMania 4. So yeah. Yeah. That's right around the same time. And did we have the Twin Towers too with Akeem the African Dream and Big Boss Man around then? I or feel like a that's later? a little bit later. Akeem the African Dream and the Big Boss Man, also known as the Twin Towers, were a tag team from 1988 to 1990. And you got Strike yeah. Force, you know, Martel and Santana. Force, great. Yeah. So speaking of amazing tag teams, the Heart Foundation matches up next, and that is from SummerSlam um, in 1988. Uh, so... I believe. Um, so I'm really excited about this one. Demolition are the champs now. Yeah. <laughs> Gorilla is on commentary with superstar Billy Graham, who sounds so much like Dusty Rhodes that it's a little bit uh, distracting. Were they the champs? Did they? Did they? I thought they won the championship in this match. No, they won it from Strike Force in the last one. Oh, okay. So they're defending here. 
Okay. Um, catch up, man. Catch up. Sorry, man. I'm. Oh, <laughs> okay, we'll fix. It. We'll, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, I, I I like everything about the demolition gimmick. Gimmick. I don't understand why they have glitter in their hair and on their bodies. They're not glam metal. They're metal metal. Look, man. This is this is the reason why I was like asking, like, what exactly was their gimmick to begin with? Anyway, are they BDSM? Did they just come from the the sex dungeon with the glitter bombs? <laughs> to come and fight the heart foundation like what is going on like or you know they just they just got too sparkly at some point like someone was using like probably sherry was in the back spraying glitter hairspray and they got too close as they're walking out or something you never yeah. know i'm not holding it against them for sure this is a fantastic match um oh this is such a great match <laughs> and uh, what i like about this one is that everybody involved gets to do what they do best um hitman gets to do some of his technical stuff nightheart gets to be a fucking maniac and a beast and yeah. and then of course axe and smash just get to pound on people um they spend a yeah and we get to see brett do some classic brett selling too which is great they spend a long time um, beating up a hitman like a long time yeah like to the point where i was like all right is he is he gonna be okay yeah yeah like the, he gets his arm tangled in the ropes at one point and they take totally take advantage of that like bending his arm in weird ways and just pounding on him just like brett's stuck he can't go anywhere i'm gonna beat on him and then like <laughs> If the and if the ref pulls one of them away, then the other one comes over and beats on him. Like it's just brutal. Like, yeah, it's an ass kicking. This entire match is an ass kicking on both sides. Really. They're really good at healing it up. I mean, they know like they know exactly where to place themselves to like. It's it's really impressive, honestly. Like you said, it's and it's fluid too. It's not it's not like so transparent. You know, sometimes you see the oh the distraction doesn't look all that convincing, but it's it's really great. So yeah. And the crowd is is frothing at this match too. They're just oh, they're crazy. They're they're they are fired up and worked in, and they're a hundred percent committed to everything that's happening. Especially when uh, they distract the ref to miss the hot tag to the anvil. Great moment. And, Great moment. Oh my god, the crowd went nuts, and it's like probably the most heat that we see on this entire uh, video is is the heat generated when the ref misses the hot tag and the anvil gets kicked out of the ring and they just pound on Brett some more. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was amazing. I put that one down in my notes too. It's fantastic. Anvil finally does get the tag. He cleans house for a near fall or two. He does a really great power slam. That dude is so strong. Every, we, every time we see him, we're like, Oh my God, like what a beast. Yeah. Um, Cause I mean, it's not like these guys in demolition are small no. dudes. They no. Oh my God! Again, Nightheart just tosses and Anvil just muscles him right yeah. up. And yeah, so um, Brett oh. starts to go into his finishing moves. He does that backbreaker, which is kind of like the first one usually, and then Axe breaks up the pin, and then Fuji comes up on the apron, and the crowd just loses its mind when Anvil comes over and like just starts punching Fuji in the head. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Fuji gets his ass kicked. It's so yeah. good. And then mean, meanwhile, uh, but, in the ring, um, Brett's going for a pile driver while Smash gets the megaphone and, and brains Brett with it uh, to get the win and retain the belt. Those again. Yeah. And like, because Jimmy Hart is with, with, with Demolition here as well. So like Demolition rolls out with the Hart Foundation's former manager and like it's all kinds of heat from every single angle you can imagine. And it's so great. 
It's so good. Just more chaos. And these, yeah. Again, it's chaos beautifully orchestrated and perfectly booked and just ass kicking. Just <laughs> good old fashioned ass kicking. Just like it really reminded me of that, like Nick Bockwinkle, Stan Hansen match that we watched where they're really hitting each other. Like it's not quite that raw and edgy, but it's really close. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Those these first two matches I would hi- highly recommend if you're going to take a look at this tape. The third one is from Survivor Series of November of 88, same year, and the tape actually picks up with the match in progress, so I'm not sure actually who all was involved initially, and it doesn't really matter. But on one corner, you've got Demolition and the Conquistadors, and in the other corner, you've got the British Bulldogs and the Powers of Pain. Conquistadors are mass jobbers, uh, Jose Estrada Sr. and Jose Luis Rivera, who are both from Puerto Rico. And, of course, the Powers of Pain, Warlord and Barbarian, had been solo and then were put together as a tag team and were kind of the uh, Demolition's big rival at the time. They were they were the only thing close to them in terms of, like, size and power. Um, so it was a natural thing to kind of put those two teams on a collision course. Everybody's moving really fast in this match, considering their sizes of the dudes in this match. And it's really, really intense right away that we that you see and the commentary is dunking on the conquistadors the entire time <laughs> it really is it's, um, it's kind of it's borderline mean like they're still in this match how are they still in this match how have they not been beaten yet how are they still alive what is going on how are the con- i really didn't expect the conquistadors to still be in this match uh it, they're really just dunking the hell out of them <laughs> like i understand they're jobbers but Jesus, Cut like, break. he's up on him a little bit. Um, so it's important that we mention that this is a Survivor Series style match, but it's it's an interesting one as like it's not like single elimination. Once one member of a tag team is pinned or disqualified, that whole tag team is out and then the other tag team continues on in the match. It's a little confusing and it really threw me off. I was like, but this match just ended when when one of the conquistadors was pinned, not the other. Uh, but I think this match is really here because it contains a very rare thing that we talked about with Brett and Austin doing the double turn. So yeah. this match has a double turn demolition turns face and the powers of pain turn heel at the same time. Both moves revolve around that dastardly Mr. Fuji, <sighs> Mr. Mr. Fuji. What a dirt. Yeah, there's there's some good moves in this match. Actually, I enjoyed this. Uh, I always appreciate the opportunity to see Davy Boy Smith and uh, the Dynamite Kid do their work. Davy, as we've noted many times, is just so amazingly strong. He does the overhead press slam, just picks up one of the conquistadors and just like walks around with him. And they're not small no, guys either. Everyone's a, they were... a unit. Everyone's an absolute unit in this thing. When we do get to Axe versus the Barbarian, that's a little bit disappointing, honestly. Um, it's because obviously they're building and building and building to it. And then uh, the bar, I think the bar, yeah, the barbarian gets sort of just tossed out of the ring like a bag of laundry. Yeah. So what is it? Axe goes, is sent into the ropes 
and Mr. Fuji uses his cane to pull down the ropes and that causes Axe to go flying out and take a nasty bump and he's totally stunned by what happens and gets counted out and that causes uh, Demolition to be eliminated from the match. And that really sets off commentary. Can you believe that the Conquistadors have been in this match longer than Demolition now? I can't believe it. But what is happening? Something weird is happening. And then after the match, we see uh, Mr. Fuji bless the powers of pain. Like, I don't, it's some sort of weird little ceremony thing happens. And then Demolition comes back down. And beats them up. Yeah. And like, because I mean, the conquistadors do get pinned like 30 seconds after all of that happened. And so we have a double turn. Yeah. It's, it's that I wasn't expecting to it's see. It's more chaos, but it's pretty exciting chaos um, that uh, Fuji starts whacking uh, Axe, I think, with the, with the cane. Um, they, they do. And he no sells yeah, it. He, no he sells just walks it. right through it. <laughs> you do get a little bit of satisfaction when Demolition comes back down and puts the boots to the Powers of Pain. That part was pretty great. Um, that sort yeah. of confirms their face turn. You know, if they had just like uh, walked off and not come back, then you, it would have been sort of left up in the air. But the fact that they come back and then go after the Powers of Pain, it's like, all right, now I, I get it. I get who's on which side now. I'm like, let's, let's go. So, Mr. Fuji, what a jerk. Yeah, and then after after this match, we go back to Demolition in the studio talking about it, and like, and then they introduce their next match as this is one of our first matches without Fuge the Stooge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, I found there's a wrestling site called DAWrestlingSite.com. It says this was actually recorded in October of '88, which would have been a month before the Survivor Series. Um, but they don't have Mr. Fuji at this match. It's, it's kind of, it's weird. The announcer says accompanied by their manager, Mr. Fuji, uh, the ring announcer says that, but then the commentator says, Oh, you know, the ring announcer says Mr. Fuji, but he's not here. Uh, <laughs> so um, <laughs> technically they were probably still represented by Mr. Fuji unless they had been like rehearsing the face turn at these house shows. But I don't think that was the case. Um, it's possible because they were facing this match. Yeah, true. But I mean, everybody is a face when you're fighting the Bolsheviks. That's true. Dirty, dirty Russians. Um, this is a wrestling challenge episode from Salisbury, Maryland. Did you pick up on that? I yeah. did. I was very excited. Like, hey, this happened. Hell in yeah. And it was Tony Schiavone on nice. commentary. I, th- I was yeah. wondering if it was at the university, maybe. Um, I was trying to think of where else might be. It had to be. Uh, what what the, what the hell else? Yeah, where else could you go in Salisbury? I don't. Right. It has to be at the at the University Fieldhouse. Yeah. Um, this is also the match with the worst video quality of the ones on this tape. It looks like it was recorded on your dad's Super Eight. Um, it's really it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, there's another match between these two on Superstars of Wrestling from April 1990. So I was trying to figure out exactly when this match happened. I was doing a little bit of research, um, and that one actually was televised so this is the only match on the tape that wasn't previously televised from what i understand um and it's just it's not a great one to to dig up but um uh demolition interrupts uh nikolai's singing of the russian national anthem which which is rude but the crowd loves it there is some serious crowd heat coming on with with the national anthem someone is actually blasting an air horn through the entire russian national anthem and then the crowd is fire when the demolition theme kicks in interrupting the anthem oh so good and then it's a hot start and it's just people punching each other like there's nobody in this match that's like 
very technically skilled. Like you don't think of anybody in this match as a technician. And so they're just pounding and punching and locking up. And you can hear Smash say multiple times to Zukov, you stinking commie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Love it. It's so good. And like, even though like demolition is working phase here, they're still doing dirty and violent things. Like they're just like, you wouldn't see a face do. And it's, I think it's still there. Like their fringe counterculture gimmick kind of thing that's happening here with them. That's, that's the only, that's really all I can think of for being their gimmick is that they're, they're, they're eighties counterculture, but they still love America damn right they do well they at least hate the russians (laughs) they believe in the free market economy yeah yeah Yeah. anyway so demolition retain the titles here moving on so actually i'm going to talk about a match out of order here so the next one i would talk about is number seven on the tape um, but it actually occurs next chronologically so that's why i want to do these in order because we're kind of working through demolition's career here Um, this is demolition versus the powers of pain and mr fuji so it's a handicap match from wrestlemania 5 march of 89 i wrote about this one for the blog way back when and uh, i was excited to see mr fuji wrestling (laughs) so he's he's in great shape you know he had been he had been a big deal in the ring before he became a manager uh, but you obviously didn't i didn't think of him as a um you know as a performer but he's you know, he's whatever. He's not Ric Flair or anything, but he's like, he, he can get down, you know? I think I was surprised the first time we watched this match about how, one, Mr. Fuji is in great fucking shape. Like, he looks great. And I didn't realize how, like, little time had passed between his in-ring as a wrestler and his conversion to manager. Uh, how much, how little time there was between those. And... He still goes in this match. It's great. Yeah. And he's he's taking bumps and he's getting hit and he's he, he, Smash does go a little easy on him in one clothesline, but I wouldn't want to be hit with that clothesline still. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't uh, <laughs> I don't want to be in a match with Demolition. I'm going to it's going to hurt and Fuji does it and yeah, this this is a, this match was good. I enjoyed this match a great deal. Uh, Jesse Ventura has this one amazing line, and he says, "The wolf climbing the mountain is always more hungry than the one on top." Oh wow, that's deep. Yeah, yeah, like wow. Because I think he was talking about powers of pain fighting their way up the challenge demolition for the belts. And uh, he delivers that line because Monsoon is like, Demolition is ready to defend. They're always ready to fight. And and Jesse returns with that dazzling line. Like, did he just make that up on the spot? <laughs> like, I didn't have time to Google that line just to make sure that like he didn't like take that out of like the art of war or something. Like I, think that. Was, I think he saw it airbrushed on a van outside of the stadium. <laughs> It is in Salisbury. Like no, this was in Salisbury. Yeah, with like that was the last one. With like three wolves howling at yeah. the moon. <laughs> Fucking art is what that is. Jesse Ventura's line is actually a paraphrase of Arnold Schwarzenegger's line: "The wolf on the hill is not as hungry as the wolf climbing the hill," which Arnold famously said in the documentary Pumping Iron. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, I like this match too. Um, it's kind of disappointing. The crowd is fucking dead for this one. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if it was just at a bad spot in the show. I don't remember. I didn't go back to look at the card to see where this fell, you know, what became what came before it. Um, yeah. But when I remember when we wrote about it, we just described this as four slabs of beef just pounding on each other. For I also think the Barbarian and Warlord get exposed a little bit in this match as not like working all that well. Yeah. Especially compared to the guys in, in Demolition who are who just, I don't know, can can just get down a little bit better. They they sell better. They go on offense better. Yeah. They're just a little more um, believable, agile, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah, the, the match before this was uh, Mr. Perfect versus the Blue Blazer, who was Owen Hart. Oh, yeah. So I could see that kind of like sucking the air out of the arena a little bit. This was a stacked WrestleMania card. There's 14 matches on this card. Sweet Jesus. WrestleMania four was that the was that the Mega Powers? Uh, uh no, WrestleMania five uh, is the WrestleMania is the is the Mega Powers match, and that's that's the card that I'm looking at right now. Uh, and then this match is followed by Dino Bravo versus Ronnie Garvin. Hmm. Seems like I should have these cards down a little bit better, given that we are all the WrestleManias. Um, you know, it's fourteen. It's there's fourteen matches on that one. <laughs> that's gonna be. Yeah, I'd be gentle with myself. It's going to be a tough one to forgive yourself, you know. Mindfulness. Mindfulness, yeah. Yeah. Because that's Demolition's thing is mindfulness yeah, for clearly. sure. So for the wrap-up, uh, the finish on this one, Fuji does the salt trick, uh, but he gets one of his own guys instead. So Demolition get their finisher on him um, so they can get their revenge on him for double-crossing them and, of course, hold on to their title. So that was exciting. Yeah, and Fuji sells it great. It's great. Yeah. Um, and uh, Gorilla Monsoon refers to the powers of pain as mongrels at one point. Um, I don't know how I feel about that <laughs> phrase. But. It's fine. It's fine. The next the yeah. next match is uh, Demolition versus the Honky Tonk Man and Craig the Hammer Valentine, who would later yes. be called Rhythm and Blues, but I don't think they're actually called that here. Um, no, they're not. And they yet. are with Jimmy Hart. This is from May of 89. This was a wrestling challenge show. Um you can still see they have the Saturday night's main event banner still hanging up, I guess, from the um, from previous matches. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, they're taping everything. They're taping everything here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever you got, we'll tape it. Yeah. This one has Gorilla and Bobby the Brain on commentary, and there's some amazing Bobby the Brain commentary on this one. There's a, there's a kid yeah. um, with a demolition poster in the crowd. I think it's like the picture that we have actually. And um, and Gorilla asks Bobby, he says, "How many of those do you have hanging up in your room, Brain?" And Heenan says, "None. I have them face down in the garage." Heenan <laughs> <laughs> uh, also talks about how he won't paint his face because he's not ugly. Yeah. <laughs> And they, um, so when Demolition double teams the Honky Tonk Man, the crowd flips out and Gorilla says, they love it. Heenan says, they love anything here in Des Moines. They just love to get out. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love that guy. Oh, Heenan, Bobby Heenan was a, was a gem. Yeah. He's a gem. He's, oh, it's a gift to the earth. So quick thinking. So quick thinking. Uh, but anyway, this match, this was a hard hitting match again. I know we've been saying that a lot, but now you have four hard hitting guys in the ring again. You have, you have Greg, the hammer Valentine. They call him the hammer for a reason, you know, and he does some, he does a great face bump, uh, in this and he sells an atomic drop and like they're, they get, they get steamrolled by, by, uh, demolition basically, but it has a 
chaotic finish. I I don't know if I could if I even really pieced together what was happening. Like someone was counted yeah. out, so or something like so that. So what happens is, um, smash clotheslines Hammer, and Earl Hebner is standing between Hammer and the ropes when that happens, and so Hammer kind of backs up and bumps Hebner out of the ring. So he's out and he's down. Um, and then the replacement ref comes running down and it turns out it's Ronnie Garvin. Um, and, <laughs> and so it's all four guys are in the ring and they're pushing and shoving. And they're trying to get at each other. Honky tonk, uh, uses the megaphone, uh, a couple of times. And, um, after Ronnie kind of like pushes them aside and honky tonk, and Greg keep fighting back against him. He disqualifies both of the, both of them and raises demolitions hands. So Ronnie wasn't having their shenanigans. Um, as yeah, it was a bit of a schmoz, I guess. I don't know if that's the right term for that, but it was, it was chaotic. There's some good violence in this match. I just remember sending you a message like Ron, Ronnie Garvin just announced that demolition won this match. (laughs) I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah, it was really funny. But really, this match was just like six or seven minutes of these four guys just punching and pounding on each other. Yeah, and I did note that Hammer, like uh, Valentine, slams into Smash with an absolute brutal clothesline. Like there's no, there's no way that thing was fake. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's gonna lose his head. <laughs> he sells so well, even even when their moves aren't. Uh you know stiff <laughs> he's just he's just he's yeah. a real star like his work uh he goes for the figure four way too early um and it doesn't turn out too well for him <laughs> it's like like no, he's he's no. trying to wrap that thing on i'm like hammer what are you what are you doing come on like you can't rush you can't rush this no. match <laughs> good stuff i i like that one all right and then the last yeah. one this is number six on the tape not the last one on the tape as i said we did a little out of order here but this is um chronologically the last one this is demolition versus the brain busters this is Arn anderson and tully blanchard with bobby heenan from may of 89 and demolition would actually lose the belts to the brain busters in two out of three falls on saturday night's main event in july of 89 so this is kind of the you know in in the middle of their um their big feud that eventually leads to them losing those uh tag belts for a little bit so as they're coming down the ring demolition uh, and fans are like reaching out to him i had the sort of epiphany that maybe the spikes are to keep the fans from like smacking them on the shoulders as they're coming down yeah maybe they just don't like being touched yeah it made a lot of sense yeah, just, anyway. yeah. i don't i don't, don't touch me <laughs> don't touch i think me. this is my favorite match on the tape i mean i don't know what did you think the, i mean this match is really 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 good i mean and so is the heart foundation one you know my heart always goes with the heart boys so it's like uh but yeah this match was good this is just like four tough sons of bitches fighting each other in this match they're all and like tully is selling big and Arn takes a clothesline to the back of the head that I'm I I'm sure that like he he was probably blind in his left eye or something after that <laughs> one for a little bit I oh and like but Arn also suplexes smash so you don't see them get physical like manhandled like that a lot and I was like shit Arn really's bringing it here like picking up smash like that and then um and then smash no sells it basically he like he pops right up. Yeah. And like Arn, I think is also like 
chopping uh, axe really hard, and axe is just like walking right through them. Like, oh, this uh, uh, man. And yeah, like, it's a tough one. Smash and Arn both punch each other at one time to to get the double drop for the for the rest count, and like they drop each other like a sack of Idaho potatoes. You know, <laughs> callback. Yeah, they it is, but they catch each other on the chin and they both go down. And it's like, whew, these, these guys are just beating the shit out of each other, like in this match. And we're we're the lucky ones for that. Yeah, I thought they had a good contrast actually, because Arn and Tully are working real fast when they start. Yeah. They're like tagging in and out real frequently. Um, whereas, of course, Demolition goes for their sort of you know shock and all, ground and pound kind of approach. Um, yeah. The crowd is super hot for this one. Uh, after Smash no sells that suplex, he gets up and starts uh, handing out body slams like ice cream cones. He's just like body slamming everybody. Yeah. I think that's the point that I wrote down that uh, they're making Arn and Tully look like jobbers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> a minute so there. the brain busters are the heels here because, you know, demolition are still the faces um, and they're, they're working dirty uh, with a lot of, uh, you know, frequent double teams and stuff. Uh, and the commentators are actually kind of saying, Oh, you know, we don't see this very often from the brain busters. They usually work really clean. And then this is, they have to do this to, uh, compete with demolition which i thought was kind of a cool touch so um this one ends in a dq yeah because uh axe picks up the ref and throws him <laughs> yeah which <laughs> honestly i'm surprised it hasn't happened before on this tape i'm surprised they haven't like tossed some more refs yeah. around just for the fuck of it yeah it's just like it's like we're tired of this match i'm gonna end it and he just walks over picks up the ref and throws him it's it's probably the most demolition thing on this tape is him just doing that they get they get oh. disqualified for for you know throwing the ref like a like a nerf football <laughs> that's not allowed um but that means the brain busters get the win but not the belt uh and they continue fighting up the aisle and jesse says it's turned into a pier six yeah. brawl yeah uh, i had a pier one brawl one time but that was that's different um and then that's you can't have that wicker yeah. chair Sorry, I'm taking this with me, motherfucker. Um, and then that's where the tape just like cuts off. They're like, well, and we're done. Um, so, but that's also maybe appropriate somehow. Just kind of, yeah, no frills, no yeah. flash. Just, <laughs> just smash them, bang them, and get the hell out. And the credits are like 1989 WWF. Suck it. That's that's it. Um, so that brings us to the end of the tape. And again, highly recommend if it's on the Peacock. It's just called Demolition. It pops right up if you search for it. Um, well worth a watch for sure um so right around 1990 uh is when crush started being introduced as the third member of demolition uh, and i know that had to do with something going on with uh, bill's axe Edie. right so he apparently while they were in japan developed the shellfish allergy that was giving him heart issues and so they felt the need that they had to replace him temporarily and then permanently just because, you know, you don't want him keeling over and dying in the ring uh, from heart issues or anything like that. And apparently he got over them and goes on into the indies and stuff, but he doesn't do, he doesn't, doesn't reach back to the pinnacle that he had as, as acts in demolition. Um, and at one point, I believe he reforms demolition with someone else and they get a cease and desist letter from the WWF. So they so they stop that. Um, 
And I think he wrestled his last match actually in like 2007 or 8 or something like that, it looked like. Bill Eady wrestled his final match on August 12, 2017 with Georgia Premier Wrestling in Canton, Georgia. Yeah, that's that's too bad. I mean, again, clearly a a talented guy, long long history, a uh, lot of really fantastic uh, work over the years. So demolition um, continued on until September of '91, and and Barry smashed Darso, continued with him the whole time. Um, Crush then went on to have a a variety of different gimmicks. He was a Hawaiian surfer, and uh, he was in the Nation of Domination inexplicably. And of course, Barry Darso is sort of famous for going on to become the Repo Man in 91, it's been 91 and 93, which is one of the more unfortunate gimmicks. That's a Vince classic for sure. And he then went to, uh, let's see, he went to WCW for a little bit. He was Blacktop Bully there. <laughs> um, he then, he left them for a little while and then went back and he became uh, a character called Mr. Hole in One, who was a uh, heel golfer, <laughs> which is uh, which is even worse. <laughs> which is even worse than the Repo Man, if you if you can believe that, or worse than a paramedic, or, than a paramed- <laughs> or a garbage man, oh, good old Duke the Jumps dumpster. Um, uh. So and then yeah, he he wrestled for quite a while in the Indies and such up until I mean, there's dates on here until two thousand. Uh, 11 there was a demolition reunification and some matches matches along their way so he was you know he was he was pretty heavily yeah, involved he stayed for a long time yeah and then of course he uh showed up at celeb fest and we got to say hey which was very cool yeah that was awesome that's probably the highlight of his career since winning the wwf tag probably yeah facts. I hope he's probably still yeah, talking absolutely getting to know us famous podcasters yeah for both of our listeners. Demolition was like a little bit part of the pop culture though, despite being counterculture. And like Axe was in the movie uh, No Holds Barred with Hulk Hogan. Nice. He was Jake Bullet. Nice. Uh they were in a Pizza Hut Kids Night commercial. Uh I think I sent you that commercial. Yeah. We can post that commercial on our website. That was amazing. Uh yeah, so it, it's like trying to kids are trying to convince their parents to take them to Pizza Hut for kids' night, and they're like, "If that doesn't work, you can threaten them." And demolitions at the door, going, "Yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> like it's so good. This is brief, but it's it's pretty awesome, and it's definitely demolition. So it's interesting that like as counterculture as their gimmick is, they were right there in the heat of the pop culture. You know, if they're getting hired by. Uh, pizza hut to be in a commercial so yeah it's pretty cool um so to wrap up i mean one of the things that we discovered as we were working on this is that these guys are not in the wwe hall of fame which is a little bit mind-boggling honestly um there is maybe a political reason for that but you know i know you looked at some of the other tag teams from this era that are in the hall of fame and there's there's quite a few of them yeah so the Bushwhackers are in the WWE Hall of Fame. They were never tag champs. Uh, the Blackjacks are in the WWE Hall of Fame. 
the Funk Brothers are in the WWE Hall of Fame, despite barely ever being in the WWF as a tag team and not really ever being champions there. The Rock and Roll Express are in the WWE Hall of Fame, even though they were not really in the WWF. They kind of had like a little thing with Smoky Mountain, but that's about it. Harlem Heat is in the WWE Hall of Fame while they are extremely talented. So I should say that all these tag teams are extremely talented, but they were never in the WWE. The Road Warriors are in the WWE Hall of Fame, despite their WWF stuff is really on the lower rung of their known stuff compared to their territory work. The Fabulous Freebirds are in the WWE Hall of Fame, and they were never in the WWE And the Steiner brothers are also in the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, despite being in the WWE for a shorter period of time and held the belts for a less time than Demolition did. So Demolition were three-time champions for a very long time, considering like most of the time that they're a tag team, they were the champs. And uh, they have the longest single run of being tag champs in WWE history before the belts were like kind of split and retired in 2010. Yeah. So it's that original WWF tag team championship belt is the one that they held that they held longer than anybody else, which is a, you know, it's a pretty impressive feat again, especially considering how absolutely stacked that division was at the time, you know, British Bulldogs, Hart Foundation, so many great teams. And these guys were at the top of that. And they, you know, they, they moved the needle for them. Uh, I think it's honestly, it's kind of a travesty. Um, we did, you know, we noted that uh, they were um, at least Darso was, I'm not sure about X was part of a class action lawsuit against the WWE about, um, you know, head injuries, traumatic brain injuries and concussions and such. Um, that lawsuit was dismissed in 2018 uh, and it was appealed and then dismissed again in 2020. And, you know, so it's possible that, you know, the company is just sort of punishing them for being involved in that, which if that's the case, that's really unfortunate. I don't, we don't know that that's the case for sure. There's still like a 20 year window yeah. between their last title reign and that lawsuit to have been inducted into the hall of fame. And they just didn't. Yeah. It's a bunch of crap. It breaks my heart. It, it's, it, it's, it's crap. It is crap. Crap. It's a bunch of crap. I don't, did you do any searching around to see if there's any like induct demolition uh, movements out there? I, I I didn't take a look. I, sh- I should, I should do that. I did find a bunch of blog posts and stuff like that from like 2002, 2003, like pushing for demolition. Why isn't demolition in the hall of fame? Especially when they're like, one of them was basically like, if you're going to put the bushwhackers in, why are you not putting demolition in? And I think that is a very legitimate argument. Um, Because, I mean, the Bushwhackers, they were fun and, you know, Vince loved them and stuff, but they weren't the greatest tag team out there. And they, you know, all the other tag teams that I named are better tag teams than them, in my opinion. But Demolition deserves to be in that list there. And these two guys, and what's very clear is their dedication to the profession and the craft of professional wrestling deserves to be rewarded in such yeah 100 percent. so if you have any kind of sway with the wrestling business if you know anybody who's connected you know let's let's get the word out there maybe we can talk a little bit more about how we could maybe help get these guys and maybe maybe they don't care maybe they have zero interest sometimes people just aren't interested in that sort of thing uh, i have no idea um, they should come on the show and talk about it that's what that's probably would be the best option 
I'm, I can't imagine that they don't feel it. Cause I mean, they got to sit there next to, I mean, at that show that day, they're sitting next to the Hardy boys. They're sitting next to Greg, the hammer. They're right next to Greg, the hammer Valentine and Jake, the snake Roberts, who is like, they're all wearing their hall of fame rings, you know, Rikishi's there. He's in the hall of fame. You know, like I can't imagine that they don't, they don't feel it. Cause like you can listen to the crowd pop that they got as heels and as faces. There's no doubt that like they were just beloved by the time at that time period. Yeah. They were absolutely huge. So, uh, well, I'm glad we got a chance to kind of deep dive into their careers. Um, talk a little bit about the sort of the individual careers of Billy Eady and Barry Darso. Talk a little bit about the amazing theme music and the action in the ring for demolition. Um, we, Again, really appreciated meeting them and having the chance to sort of review their work a little bit. So if you have thoughts, questions, things that you want to add, uh, you can shoot us an email at all the WrestleManias at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at WrestleMania pod. You find us on the web at all the WrestleManias.com. And of course, we're on all your favorite podcast apps. So I think we're going to sign off for today. And I'm Tim. I'm here comes the X and here comes the Smasher, the demolition, walking disaster. I'm Rich Sigwell. You're going to get us YouTube flagged. Signing off. That's why I stop right there. We're fine. <laughs> fair use. Fair use. Peace and, th- peace and love. Fair use. <laughs> so long, everybody. But before we go, we have a special treat for you. It is the Demolition Remix of all the WrestleMania's theme. Enjoy. Do you remember when you used to wake us up and beat us over the head with a cane? You stand right there with the powers of Throw them in the back of a semi-tractor trailer. Get behind the wheel and push that pedal to the metal. They drive it right off a cliff and smash them to smithereens. We fight to hold on to what's ours. We are out to demolish and destroy. Thanks for listening. We're Tim and Rich.